everybody you're listening to Internet Marketing Unleashed. I'm your host, Scott Patton, and I'm very, very excited as I am every time I do one of these calls because I have on the line with me one of my favorite Internet marketers. Uh, this gentleman and I uh, have known each other, and I'm, when I talk about knowing each other, I'm not saying, yeah, we sort of wave uh, hello at each other from across the room at a conference or anything else like that. But we uh, we live in the same uh, neck of the woods and uh, we get together very regularly. We talk about all sorts of cool things that are happening in the world of search engine optimization and pay-per-clicks and copywriting and product development and all those cool, cool things that uh, just turn both our cranks. And uh, I have to say that he is far more of a researcher than I am, he thinks that reading the Google patent applications is exciting, <laughs> thriller <laughs> reading. And, uh, and th- But what's even more cool is he's able to take that information and turn it into something that I can understand and that the average person can understand. He's, uh, he's written a, a really cool uh, book called Google Mythbusters. And uh, he loves busting on uh, Google Myths, the things that people are talking about out there that really, uh, you know, don't work or are basic uh, myths. I don't want to say they're lies because that that would indicate that the person is maliciously doing it. They're not. Just just happen to be ignorant. And uh, he also has a, a great site, CompetitionDemolition.com, where he puts his juiciest, juiciest stuff. So I want everybody to uh, jump up and down, yell and scream, give a big Internet Marketing Unleashed welcome to Dan Ditt. Hey, Dan, how are you doing today? Pretty good. It's been an excellent morning so far. Awesome, awesome. And uh, we just got together for lunch yesterday, and we're talking about some of the cool things that were going on with... Uh, with Google, and you were telling me that recently there was an update, and maybe you could tell everyone some of the things that have occurred in the latest update. Well, uh, back Google, in February, right. sorry, this is on Google for those of you who are wondering what we're talking about. Everyone, yeah, in a while, Google search uh, for the organic results, the results that are free. That basically, when you um, you know, paper click can cost quite a bit of money, but the organic free results, if you're, you know inclined to build up your popularity and try and get a, a really good ranking, uh, obviously you can get a ton of traffic absolutely free. Right. Um, back in February, we kind of all got scared in the SEO world because of the, uh, um, I forget what uh, Matt Cutts called it, I think he called it the Gary update because the guy named Gary in the office worked on it the most. <laughs> but regardless, um, that one kind of um, ended up putting more trust, weight, and authority on things. March 13th of this month, Google released a patent that uh, detects spammy links, and uh, they uh, they got approved for the patent, and they're using this technology that basically um, there should be a major update coming very soon. Although, um, because the the patent just got approved, and on top of that, uh, uh, the technology's uh, officially been proven to work quite well. Basically, what it does. Um, like say say you go out and you spam say a you know a whole pile of blogs for comments or let's say you you, know, you hire a team of uh, people overseas and you do twenty thousand links or fifty thousand links but you've only got two or three really high quality links from the from 
other related websites. Google basically uses a, a ratio system to sort of detect which links are actually more valuable than others. You know, and so if you've got three really good high quality links and 50,000 really bad ones, then you really won't be any better off. Mm, okay, so just going and getting a ton of links to your site is not necessarily the best thing to do. No. No, it used to be that, you know, if you even if you had like, you know, 50,000 PR0 links that, uh, you know, that are from crappy websites, you know, that that would make a, a difference. You could, you know, maybe get a PR3 or PR4, you know, you could build up your ranking and your your value online, even though they were all horrible links that really shouldn't have any value at all. They had like a point zero zero one of a value, so they were at least worth something. Um, I think we're going to see moving forward here that they're not going to be worth anything. And almost like a, a hinge on a door, everything's sort of going to hinge on the idea that, you know, if you don't have, um, you know, a, a trustable site with, you know, some of the trust factors and, you know, even high quality links won't make any difference either. Right. So talk a little bit about this trust factor and authority sites. Like, what what would be an authority site that you'd want to get a link to you from? Well, one you'd want to get a link from, for example, would be a domain name that's over 10 years old. Um, on my, actually, I wonder if I posted it on my blog or not. But I have a list of the of over 100 domains that are over over 20 years old, I believe it is, or something like that. It's the it's the top 100 oldest domains on the internet. Can you believe there's domains out there that were registered in 1985? Wow. That's unbelievable. That is. But seriously. Seriously, there are. And those those domains, getting a link from those, you only need two or three of those. And I'm not making that number up to see some pretty decent rankings, even in some competitive areas. So that's pretty cool. Wow. Um, but anyway, um, so, I mean, domain age is just one factor of a million. Well, I shouldn't say a million, but... Um, one do, one factor over 200 ranking signals. So um, another really good one would be you know a site that's uh, that's well connected within the community because the local search algorithm is uh, you know and and some of the uh, the trust rank algorithms are sort of based on the fact that you know if there was an authority in the industry based on um, you know an authority in the industry of the news industry or the computer industry. They should be somewhat connected in, you know, in the circles. Like right. every single supplier, you know, uh, Best Buy and Future Shop and all that should probably link to, you know, Dell or Hewlett Packard. Um, they sort of go off this hub system of, you know, some of the major sites related to the industry, um, you know, should link to each other. So they're all sort of interconnected um, in that sort of sense. Right, right. Awesome. So... What are some of the other things that you think will be happening because of the uh, updates that are going to be coming? Um, I'm not 100% on that. I mean, I know that, uh, you know, the, we, we've, we're not immune to the whole concept that the entire industry flips upside down on its lid about every three to six months, sometimes every year or two years or something like that. But the very reason that I got into SEO in the first place is because I really don't like you know, things that stay the same all the time. I could never be a plumber, plumber or a pipe fitter or some job that, you know, for 20 years you can do it the same way and it's always right. Right. Um, 
<laughs> so that's kind of why I love SEO and internet marketing. But anyway, um, back in 96 or 7, actually even more specifically 98 and 99, would be a really good example of the Florida update, which happened in... I remember that. That was the, that was the one where basically link power, be, uh, or sorry, uh, links themselves, the types of links and all that kind of stuff had a big, big, fa- uh, big, big importance change. Uh, the Big Daddy update was also a really huge one. Um, you probably remember that one because we were both at IMC together at the time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, those big updates would happen and then basically a huge pile of sites would drop off. But interestingly, of course, a lot of the juicy sites that we're used to seeing all the time stay there. Well, not mm. only that, when you think about it, if a lot of sites drop off, what does that mean? It means that a lot of other sites moved up. That's true. Right? You know, so when you think of, like I remember the Florida one in particular because there was this massive hue and cry on all the internet marketing forums that their sites, which were, you know, probably crappy, spammy, ugly, not very interesting sites that were ranking in the top page, top, I was going to say in the top ten, all of a sudden were, you know, nowhere to be found. And thank goodness they were nowhere to be found because they were just clogging up the Google results. And if you were searching for something, you would never find what it is that you wanted. And uh, so, you know, when, you, when we talk about uh, a lot of sites getting dropped, you know, that's kind of, in some ways, I think you and I have, we've been uh, infected by the Internet marketer, uh, you know, the guy that wants to put up a thousand page website in five minutes that's full of nothing but scraped information and links. And we think, you know, who's all upset, right? And you go, oh, poor guy, you know, he's making 20 grand off AdSense because he had these spammy sites one month and he's making 200 bucks the next month. I met a few of those guys. And uh, really, what Google wants to do is it wants to have results that the surfer, the searcher, finds interesting and. Uh, and answers their question, whatever and whatever it is they're searching for, that result comes up. They can find it easily, and and they're happy because if they're not happy, they're going to go to Ask.com or Yahoo.com or MSN Search or some other place to try and find that information. And I think that that's one of the areas that a lot of people, when they get into internet marketing, uh, make that mistake, and they say, okay, you know, here's a tool I can just go and scrape a whole bunch of uh, copy and paste a whole bunch of articles off of some site and put them all up and I'll, uh, you know, X number of keyword densities, uh, you know, <laughs> and so many links and this and that and a few other things and and now, hooray, I'm going to, you know, magically make money and not thinking about what is the visitor experience going to be like, which, you know, we, we all remember the traffic hurricane guys and that sort of thing and the tra- and the experience was awful. Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, and speaking, uh, you know, representing the SEO community here and speaking on behalf of the webmasters, though, let me also say that there's a trap that they get into that's not really fair. See, they they all, just like any entrepreneur or any business owner, they all want to promote their sites, and some of them actually do have good content. They don't scrape. They don't put together spam, but... They get into all these spammy techniques thinking that they can build their business with them. Yeah. Um, and I see point. this all the time. They, they, they have a core site that has something useful, something interesting, but 
you know, for whatever reason, they've decided that SEO is going to be their savior. They're going to pray to the SEO gods, and they're not going to do some traditional marketing. They're not going to do pay-per-click. They're not going to do press releases. They're not going to um, do some social hacking in the sense of, you know, contacting other bloggers or contacting industry leaders or working with uh, the existing community that, you know, that's a part of their business model, you know, yeah, whatever or, industry that is. Yeah, or just putting, like you said, good information on their website. Like I think most, if not all, I will call them brick and mortar versus the click and mortar uh, as uh, businesses, have something interesting to say and should have a blog up and just be posting onto their blog the latest things that are going on. You know, it doesn't matter. Even if you're like a florist, you could be saying, you know what, uh, the lilies are are going to be coming in, are, are starting to come in, they're gorgeous, or I can't believe, you know, the roses are so, you know, beautiful this time of year, or you're going to be planting, it's springtime, you should be, uh, you know, thinking about how you're going to be planting in your gardens, and we've got these great, you know, garden plants for you or i mean there's always something going on it's easter it's christmas it's valentine's you know here are some special things that you can do and it just takes a little bit of creative thinking uh, for them to come up with tons of topics and as they just put up their little blog posts that's the sort of thing that google likes because it's unique um, one of the things i think we'll be talking about is global versus local search and if you're a local florist it's going to be easy, for, you know, from our perspective, easy to dominate in your in your in your marketplace locally if you do just a few things correctly. But most oh, people, yeah. but most people You'd be don't. Surprised. Yeah, I mean, and it's unbelievable how many tools there are now for for local search optimization. But you know, the other interesting thing about what you're saying there. I mean, yeah, content, content all the way is something, you know, Google loves new, fresh content. But one interesting thing about uh, the other side of the, the fence, at your podcasting seminar, one of the things I closed the presentation with was the fact that everything you do um, that has an SEO benefit, make sure that it's not the only reason you do it. Because at the end of the day, there's lots and lots and lots of, you know, uh, Places you can post an article. No, I don't mean those, you know, e-zine articles type sites. What I mean is like places you can actually email a company and say, hey, do you need some extra content for your site? And take your content and put it on somebody else's site and say, just give me a link. That's all I want. You know, uh, you know, in other people's blogs and, you know, and, you know, the fact of the matter is that there's so many marketing strategies online besides just, you know, uh, PPC and SEO. That, you know, if everything you do has an SEO benefit, like, but it's not the only reason you're doing it, I think you'll find that, uh, you know, that uh, your popularity will increase and you don't have to have, I mean, new content, like I said, it's really, really good thing, but, I mean, you know, pop, if you had an old site, stale site that you haven't changed since 99, you know, and, uh, you know, you had, all kinds of popularity and people always talking about it in the, you know, in the web, you'd find that that site would, you know, just continue to build links and continue to build value and continue to show up in the search engines, even with old content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's true, because I have a site that's 10 years old, and I don't really do, I keep looking at it and thinking, oh man, I should do something with this, and, and, uh, and don't, 
and yet it ranks very high. I can put anything up I want, and I know I'm going to be ranking high for it, simply because the site itself is large. It's got good content on it. It's, it's old, but it's good content, and uh, it's quite established. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, and that was a funny thing, actually, because I, I have a lot of sites like that, too. And it's, um, it's interesting, because I find every single time I play with them, because I want to see if I can increase their, op, you know, increase their, uh, their revenue, you know, yeah. it's, it's one of those things, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about this local search, because I think this really opens, is something that Google is, is spending a lot of time and effort on, and it really opens up the opportunities for uh, local businesses that, may, you know, that maybe, you know, the hairdresser, the florist shop, the, the, the little bakery, the little, you know, meat deli or, or butcher or, or plumber or, or all those things. And, and they may not realize that this change has occurred. And it, and I think it really gives them a really good opportunity. And before, before we get right into that, um, you were speaking with a, a friend of ours and, he had a uh, he had a he had a local company that needed some that needed some work that wanted to you know get higher ranked for key, their keywords and and that sort of stuff and and I thought it was really really interesting because uh, you told him that uh, you know I you better get me involved first because the problem was is if you sent a lot of traffic to this site the people that went there even if what the reason they went there was what this company was going to supply you couldn't tell. And the content on the site, the words on the site, the presentation of the site was such that I looked at it for the longest time and I had no idea what business they were in. And so I think that before anyone does any uh, SEO type work or pay-per-click work or any of that sort of thing, you have to get to the fundamentals of any business, which is, you know, what is my business? And once you have that, then, okay, who are my clients? And what am I going to offer those people? And uh, and then you want to be very clear on what that is. And of course, that's what when someone goes to a web page, they want. That's why we have headlines, right? Welcome to my website is a really bad headline because it doesn't <laughs> tell that person what that they're going to be experiencing when they come to that site, right? And it's like, hey, you know, this is a site on this is a florist site, so you know. We're the, you know, the best, you know, if you want to impress your, your sweetheart with some flowers, we're the place to be sort of thing, right? And then if you're looking for flowers, you know you're in the right place. If you're not looking for flowers, you know you're in the wrong place and you can leave. And everyone is, is happy, right? But if you're, you know, welcome to my site, we're, you know, leaders in our industry and we're doing this and we're doing that and, and there's no description of what they're actually doing and you have no idea what they're talking about, then now we've got to click on other links, or we've got to go here, or we've got to do there, and we're just like, oh, this is too much work, and you're gone. And, of course, Google tracks if someone clicks on a link in their search results, and, you know, a second later is back, Google knows these things and says, ooh, that's not, obviously wasn't a good result, and down you go the, in the rankings. Whereas if you keep them on the site for a while, it's like, oh, okay, that was a good result, great. And at least you'll stay in the rankings, right? So... 
I think it's really important that when we look at things in terms of how you to attract visitors and those sort of things, that you be really clear on who your customer, who your ideal customer is, what your business is, what it's about. Be very focused so people, when they come there, know you know they're they're at the right place. And oftentimes people, you know, skip that part. They just say, okay, you know, I've kind of got this business and I just throw something up. Now let's get a bunch of people there because I'm convinced that if I get a bunch of people there, they'll call me or they'll buy or they'll do something. And, of course, that, uh, you know, the whole direct response uh, marketing industry is all based on the fact that you need to be very specific, you need to be very clear, you need to hit all their hot buttons, which means you need to know who they are, that you know, who your ideal customer is. And, and that, and when you put all of that together, then you're going to get the result that you want. The next step is to make, is to test that result. So then start bringing people and see, okay, I've brought a hundred people. I got three sales. Good. I got one sale or no, no sale. Bad. I got 20 sales. Oh, awesome. Right. And that's how you tell when you're on the right track or not. Yeah, definitely. I think you probably, uh, uh the other thing and my, every single presentation I've ever done, and it doesn't really matter what I discuss. Every presentation, the very first slide before I get into anything is know your target audience. Exactly. Do your market research. Yeah. Even I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about articles today. I'm gonna talk about SEO. I'm gonna talk about copywriting. It doesn't matter if you don't do the research first. You're wasting your time. Yeah. You know. I mean, and you know those those are the the classic examples. I mean, the steps of online business. Well, technically, it should be any business should be. You know, do some basic market research, know your audience, know uh, what they search for and what their 3 a.m. problem is, what keeps them awake at night. Then uh, the next stage, of course, is to put together compelling copy or words on the page that actually, you know, show them the benefits of what they're going to get. Then, of course, start working on your traffic strategies. I mean, and if you miss one of those steps, I mean, you're doomed. Local search now is 12% of all online searches. Wow. 12%. And interestingly enough, um, uh, the uh, Internet Yellow Pages and other directories saw a double-digit 23% growth uh, um, in 2008 and coming into 2009 here in the last 13 months, 12 months or so uh, that Comscore did the study on. And what's really interesting, though, is that... uh, Online search engines are actually like, first of all, search engines got 15.7 billion local based searches, uh, over the study period. Uh, wow. of 13. That's a now, huge number. Yeah, thir- 15.7 billion searches. And, uh, internet yellow page related sites got 4.6 billion. So, um, what they're, what they've been saying in this recent study is that, um, that the internet, uh, what do they call it? The yellow page type sites have a, a lot of catch up to do. Um, you know, they're quite considerably behind in, in terms of, uh, relevancy and branding and user experience versus the search engines. Hmm. I mean, you know, I, I, to this day tell the story of Yahoo versus, uh, Google back in 1998. You can use archive.org to go and look at this. You know, why did Google win over Yahoo? I mean, Google, First of all, Yahoo had free email addresses. They had, you know, news groups areas. They had, you know, like just every juicy tool you could ever want. They were already starting to put them together. They had a community. They they had everything that, I mean, 
what do we talk about in online marketing? We talk about build a list, get collect email addresses, do all that stuff. They were right? actually giving out the email addresses. Yeah. I mean, they were building a list of loyal clientele, right? I mean, if any of us were to forecast things and go, okay, search box and a button and company with all the toys, we instantly point to the company that has all the stuff. Yeah, actually, they could they could have been the they could have been Facebook. They, yeah, I mean they that's had quite all of those things in place, didn't they? They did, but here, yeah. So the the user experience uh, between you know the two different sites, Yahoo versus uh, versus Google. I mean, if you go to you know uh, Google for, or sorry Yahoo back in '98, there was over 177 links on the page, and uh, you know, if you went to Google, of course, you know, there was just a search box and, and, a, and a search button and, you know, some copyright information. People didn't get lost on Google. You just typed in what you wanted and, you you know, you could go. You could send it to the, the friend that's the least, you know, Internet savvy and they would be able to find what they were looking for. And if they went to Yahoo, they'd get confused. They'd wind up looking at something else and they'd never actually find what you what you sent them for. Yeah, I, actually, that was one of the things that I liked about Yahoo is they had this little news box with the top like five or six headlines, and I would just glance at that, see what was going on in the world, and then I would leave. Uh, and I rarely ever used their search. Yeah, see, Google changed the world in the sense, or sorry, the online world in the sense that Yahoo wasn't really a search engine in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It was a directory. Yeah. And basically, I mean, yeah, you searched it, but all the information was organized by category. And Google didn't organize things by category. And Google also didn't use, uh, what do they call it, uh, the search, uh, what do they call that, the keyword density or, or anything like that. Google was actually starting to rank documents based on their popularity. Yeah, they were actually so, looking at what is the document about and is it relevant to what's being searched. Whereas, uh, and is it the most often searched for? And is it the most often, yeah. And, of course, what uh, we used to get away with a lot in search engine optimizing, search engine optimizing in the beginning was the meta keyword tag. You put the keyword in like 50 times, and if the other guy only had it in 49 times, you won, right? <laughs> and uh, That's true. You know, so all of a sudden you had all of these keyword stuffing going on, and and pages that would show up that had nothing to do with that keyword. We, oh, that's a that's a really good keyword. Lots of people search on it. Great, let's put it into our meta tag. Doesn't matter that the the page had nothing to do with it, right? So, a lot of times, no one made, no one got the results they wanted. And they were dissatisfied, and that's what left uh, a real good opening for uh, for for Google. And when you think about it, like Alta Vista and some of those other. I can't even remember the names of some of those other search engines. They they just didn't. They one of the basic uh, rules of business is find somebody who's relatively successful and do it better. And that's what Google did, right? They looked at Alta Vista and Yahoo and a few of the others, and they said, "How can we do this better?" Well, gee, what if we had really good results? Okay, well, how do you do that? Well, why don't we look at what's on the page versus what's in the in the meta tags? And yeah, I think I think a lot of that stemmed from frustration. These guys, I mean, if you have read the Google story, these guys were actually just, you know, I think they were more importantly just trying to find documents quickly and efficiently. Um, 
they always use the example of an office. I mean, if you think about an office and, you know, I like to quote office space because it's hilarious, you know, those TPS reports. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, those kind of movies. But the thing is that in an office, if you were told to, you know, go get the uh, the latest uh, vacation form, right? The vacation form, I mean, you can't use one from five years ago. You, you have to use the one everybody else is using or HR is going to get mad at you. Right. Well, that's the same thing that they they were originally actually building Google just for finding documents within an office space and within a university campus. And, you know, it just became insanely useful for uh, ranking documents, you know, internationally and, you know, within the online world. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so let's get back to local search, Dan. What, uh, if yeah. someone's got a local business or they want to... Uh they want to take advantage of the local search, what are some of the things that they should be doing? Well, first of all, I mean, obviously signing up to the Google local listings uh, is an extremely wise idea. Um, Now you have to verify by phone or, you know, by text message or something like that. But, you know, having a Google local listing, um, there's actually an entire optimization strategy just to that alone. And I'll tell you some tips that you can't just get on the web easily um, that like literally catapult any lo- enhan- uh, Google local listing on the Internet to uh, much more juicier levels. Uh, first of all, so, you can... Most hang, on, hang on, Dan, just to interrupt you just for a second. If you go to www.google.com forward slash local forward slash ad, then you can. that's where you can go to add your local business to the Google local listings, right? That's right. Okay. That's exactly what I'm referring to. Okay. On that, uh, once you've got your listing all set up and, you know, it'll ask you the standard address questions on all that kind of stuff, 73% of all the listings, all the local listings, never do anything more than add their address and their phone number and their website in most cases. But that, there is a huge pile of other juicy stuff you can do. For, and, I mean, it's easy to come up with marketing strategies based on these ideas. But anyway, you can add photos to the actual listings, um, like showing a picture of where the business is so that, you know, when people are physically walking down the street or driving down the street, they'll recognize it. You can add, uh, I mean, people can add reviews, but actually, you know, in your store, in your local business, asking clientele to, hey, would you go on to Google and review me? Especially those people that come in all the time that you know are pretty tech savvy. I mean, you know, it's it's a pretty easy thing to get done. But um, uh, using keywords in the description, I mean, the the classic thing. Uh, I had a client that uh, you know they had a bed and breakfast, and we used Vancouver Bed and Breakfast dash their name mm-hmm. instead of just calling it their name. And, of course, that shot them to the top in relevancy right away. Um, you know, and also using the keywords in the company description, uh, besides just the company name. Um, adding coupons. You can add coupons to Google local listings. I mean, you can, you can do all kinds of discounts or, you know, all kinds of ways to get people into your store once they see your listing. Because there's other people's Google local listings there, too. If there's one plumber, there's 20. Um, so why not make a reason why they should stop off at you over all the other plumbers? Um, the other thing, too, is you can actually, um, you know, people actually do discuss the local listings. So, 
Um, you know, creating links to the local listing can also be of value as well. Mm-hmm. And you can add YouTube videos to your local listings. So oh, doing a walk. Wow. Yeah, so you could do a, you know, walk through your store or sample of your products or, you know, some kind of crazy thing. I mean, uh, I'm sure that probably doesn't work for all businesses, but, uh, um, you know, so the majority that would work quite nicely. Well, as you were just describing that, I went to google.com local ad and I just added my company designer web solutions and it it puts a, a uh, it puts a map up with my location, all the information I put in there, a little bit of a description and uh, I can have my operating hours in there. Um, Whether you accept Visa or Mastercard, mm-hmm, all of that sort of stuff. And uh, I'm actually on the second page right now. And it's cool because it's got like the category. You start typing in your category. It gives you the what the category is in Google <laughs> so that uh, I can uh, – uh, I don't have to um, worry that I'm putting in something that is not the category. And uh, this is, you know, very, very cool. Now, for all those people in the United States, Google or sorry, Yahoo and MSN's local listings um, are really easy to add something to because they all actually pull all their information from a source called um, IMUSA or something like that. Um, okay. I have the uh, actually I can get the exact name here, but uh, it's something that we submit all our clients to uh, when we do optimization. Uh, let's see here. But yeah, so that's uh I mean you uh Ad Google video, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Heck, I mean, you know, the thing is you don't even have to use a video that you know, when people think video, they always think, you know, pull out the video camera, you know, all the cheesy stuff. But you don't have to use a video camera to make a video. I mean you can do a camtasia of a PowerPoint presentation. You know, you can uh, what do they call it, uh, take a video of, you know, you can do all kinds of computer video that don't really have to, you know, you can use a webcam or a digital camera, all kinds of stuff to make a, a very basic video that can still end up looking quite professional. Yeah. It's amazing. It is. And here it is. And now I am. Thank you. Your last step is to verify your information by phone. And... uh it gives me a pin, which I better write down, and uh, tells you if you're not by the phone, what to do. So very, uh, very cool. Yeah, that thing calls within a few seconds or so, or minutes or whatever. But anyway, um, dbupdate.infousa.com uh, will add you to the MSN and Yahoo listings in one shot. Nice. There's also a ton of other um, local directories all over the web that can, you know, help build up, uh, uh, build it up as well. I mean, obviously there's, uh, you know, Yelp and City Search and Infospace and all those other kind of sites that are those, those directories that are, make up that other 4.8 billion searches. Um, you know, I mean, just because uh, you know there's 14.7 on Google doesn't mean we want to miss out on the other, on uh, the other chunk there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's right. But it's in, 
it's interesting. Online searches are become, or sorry, local searches are, are actually happening through search engines way more often than the the phone book sites and the phone books themselves. Well, I and, think the uh, phone books are becoming obsolete, and they've really missed out because, uh, you know, I just I never look at the phone book. If I want to get someone's phone number, I go and I just type it in. And and actually, this brings up a good point. And I know we're we're talking local searches in this particular uh, uh, particular part of the call, but I've told a number of like I've done sites for like chiropractors and that sort of stuff, and I say put your phone number in near the beginning of your uh, or on your title, and usually within the first mm, you know 30 characters or whatever, because if someone searches on chiropractor and they come up and there's a phone number in the title, then it's like great, there's the number, I'll call. Right, uh, as opposed to having to click and then search for the contact information, because what do you do with a dentist or a you know a plumber or any of those types of businesses? You want to phone them and see when you can come in or when they can come by, right? Absolutely. Actually, uh, you know, also even with uh, with the car dealership, you know, um, um, you know, even just recently when I do a search for my car dealership. I, I once the listing comes up, I just use the phone number right in the local, in the listing itself. I never ever actually, you know, go to their site. Exactly, I mean, that's my point. And I think a lot of people don't realize that, right? You wanna, if for local listings, you wanna make sure you've got your address like on the front page where someone can see it. Put your phone number and your phone number there, obviously. But also, if you can, put the phone. If you're the type of business that people are going to be calling you, right? then make sure you put the phone number in the title tag and make it easy for them to call. It's all about making it easy for the user to get what they want, right? If you're a dentist, a chiropractor, some, you know, plumber, carpenter, you know, handyman, accountant, lawyer, you know, dandyette, lawyer, 604, blah, 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 blah. There's my number, right? Great. It's an emergency. I got a call. I call that number and, uh, and I've got the lawyer on the phone right away, right? Definitely. The other thing too, uh, the you'll laugh, but uh, the truth is that the Google's patent for local ranking algorithm is actually pretty easy to read. It's uh, it's still in lawyer speak, um, but it's it's actually a pretty easy read. And basically, the to sum it up in like you know simple, simple, simple words, interconnectivity. Basically, sites connected to each other. Um, like you know, if you were to go to that small town of like thirty people, right, where everybody knows each other, and uh, Everybody calls your friend, kind of thing. <laughs> um, the uh, what do they call it? The bank, the realtor, the chiropractor, the dentist. If they all had websites, I guarantee you, they'd all link to each other. Or yeah. maybe they'd all link back to the the main city page. But the point is that there would be some kind of interconnectivity there, no matter what. If they all knew how to build a website, which is kind of unlikely, and they all, you know, had a site for each of their businesses. Um, equally unlikely, then, you know, but the 30-person city is a classic example of that interconnectivity that would exist. And believe it or not, in cities of even 10,000 or 100,000, um, you know, um, not too far from us, the city of Abbotsford's got over 100,000. Yeah. And believe it or not, their, you know, their interconnectivity is, is really, really well showcased uh, uh, in, their, in their links. But anyway, regardless, the, the whole point is, I mean, if you... Sometimes a relevant link is kind of a, a relative word. I mean, a relevant link in, say, you know, a computer website 
is totally different than a relevant word, or sorry, a relevant link on, say, a bank or realtor or chiro- chiropractor site. Yeah, that's you right. Know, nobody, nobody in San Francisco uses a realtor in Florida. You use a local one. The laws are different. The contracts are different. All that stuff. So, so the thing actually, is, this is uh, you just said something that's really important. Like if you're a realtor or you're working with realtors, you need to put, you need to go and do this local ad, the Google local search ad. Oh, big time! Because that's going to put you like right up at the top when people search for like a New York realtor or LA realtor or, or a Vancouver realtor, right? Yeah, and of course, obviously, you need to nicheify, right? I mean, so if you're a realtor in California, you know, you might say, say, you know, apartment, you know, apartments or, uh, you know, condos or beach property or or whatever dash, you know, uh, you know, Jim Smith Realty or something, you know? Right. I mean, the truth is that, I mean, that even chiropractors, some of them are back specialists, some neck, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, dentists where they work specially with kids or, you know, or uh, what do they call that? Cowards like me? I actually, that's the dentist that I go to is the one that says we cater to cowards. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my favorite dentists. But anyway, so, um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously local search has a million different ways to, to get traffic. Uh, the other, I mean, that's... Uh, you know, Google Local Search has just tons and tons and tons of traffic available to it. Um, and, I mean, as long as you're getting links from the local community and, and related sites, um, and at the same time, you know, uh, showing up in all the, um, you know, the listings like that, and that, that helps quite a bit. Right. So that's a good reason to join your local chamber of commerce, your Better Business Bureau, those sorts of organizations, because those would be pretty good links to have. That's very, very true, actually. That's, you know, it's a funny thing that, you know, Google will say, you know, we don't, we, we won't give any value to a paid link. Um, but sponsorship doesn't count as a paid link. Mm-hmm. I don't get that. But, and joining an organization, okay, so it's a hundred bucks a year. Okay, well, that's ten bucks a month. Okay, yeah. you know, you can rent a link for ten bucks a month on all those paid link sites that, you know, can get you into big trouble that I don't recommend doing, but it's the same price. So why not join the Chamber of Commerce just for the purpose of getting a link? Why not sponsor a website? There's all kinds of sites you can sponsor, and a $10 sponsorship for the year will get you a link that has more value than spending 50 bucks a month to rent one. Because mm-hmm. you know, right. those .gov sites that are, are registered charities, I mean, they're juicy links. You know, so let's talk a little bit about that, Dan. What are you know when you when you want it, inbound links are important for a number of reasons. One is if the site itself, forget about Google, if the site itself is a uh, high traffic site, and you've got a link, maybe whether it's an article and you've got a link at the bottom, or it's a description, you know, a directory type site, or any of those different ways that you could have links. But there's a lot of traffic, and that traffic is, you know, your customer type traffic. Those people will just click on that link and come to your your site. So that's a good reason for having inbound links. Forget if all the search engines disappeared, because you, you're out in that web and you've got all these different ways of people to get to you. Uh, you know, there's a lot of value in that. But uh, 
The other side of it, of course, is that if you've got the right type of links to your site, Google will uh, look at you more favorably than they'll look at somebody that's got, you know, no links to their site, right? Right. That's true. So, so what are some good? You just, you I mean, you just told us, you know, established, you know, nonprofits or or charities or dot orgs, dot govs. How could you get a dot gov link? Uh, that's a really good question. Some of the dot govs are obviously, um, like employment resource centers. Um, if you have a resource on resumes or you have a resource on, uh, you know, job hunting or something like that. Um, you might be able to get one from those. There's tons of government organizations, and there's almost one for every industry there is. You know, um, for every industry out there, there's a, you know, government body that's trying to m- regulate and manage it. <laughs> Realtors right. know that one real well. <laughs> right, right. But anyway, um, the, the bottom line is that, I mean, the other thing is there's forums out there. You can do a .gov search for PHPPB, like, you know, powered by PHPPB. Uh, okay. Or a forum search by, you know, powered by V Bulletin. Um, it's really easy to go out and check Google for a list of the, uh, you know, open source or free bulletin board softwares. But, I mean, and if there's a bulletin board out there, of course, you can post links in, you know, in your conversation. You can post a link in your signature. You can post a link in your profile on that board. Um, you know, same thing with .govs. I mean, forums are really easy to get links with. They're not a huge, huge value link. But they do add to the overall picture. Um, the juiciest link you could get in the world would probably be through a bit of social hacking. Um, that's what I what I call, you know, um, basically communicating with another human being to get what you want out of them. <laughs> that's social hacking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, um, like for example, a, a friend of mine would approach college students because you know when a co- first year college student or university student gets uh, enrolled, they get a email address, they get a username, and they get a website. And their website will be, you know, stanford.edu forward slash, you know, uh, username. And so all these students, uh, especially, you know, students that have been going to school for, you know, two, three years, they've got a site that's been up for quite a while. It's got some information on it. And these guys are still working to pay off their off their debts, off their student loans and everything. I mean, honestly, you can offer them 10 bucks for the whole year and they'll take it for a link. Or you right. can just, you know, hand them an article of really juicy, decent content um, or, you know, useful advice, and ideally if it's something near what they're already studying anyway, and, you know, have them shove that up on their site with a link to your back to your site. So, I mean, the social hacking like that can definitely work. I had a friend of mine who actually used to go to um, what do they call it, uh, different social workers within the government uh, of Canada and get links from them. Um, and not even to, you know, the the world's most, uh, what do they call it, related sites at all. I mean, like, you know, but you could easily do that because each of them get their own uh, single page that they can update with their name and their information and, you know, companies that they've worked for in the past and you can link to companies you've worked for in the past. But, um, you know, I mean, there's just a ton of different ways of, of getting uh, those links. I mean, my I, I think the other thing, too, is, you know, blogs as well. I mean, you can easily contact a blogger and say, hey, I see that you're, you're a pretty busy guy. You're posting all the time. 
how would you like to have a you know a couple of days off or a week off? I'll post something for you. I'll put together some content. All I want you to do is just give me a link. But uh, you know, I'll maybe write up a really nice article to your audience that sounds really relevant and important and useful and everything else. Right. I think I think you know using your own blogs plus. Uh, just having discussions with other people's blogs because there's like backtrack links you can have between blogs, right? Uh, right. Are all good. I'm not sure that there's a lot of advantage in having a link in the comment section of a blog. However, uh, no. if it's a very act, again, it's the same sort of thing. If it's a very active blog and a lot of people are coming there and a lot of people are looking, uh, then that link could could result in someone saying, well, this guy's been putting pretty intelligent comments in here. I should go take a look at what his website is because maybe he's got a blog that I should be following. Uh, you know, so I mean, it's sort of a subtle way. And, it, and everything we're talking about requires some elbow grease and some work. It's not, uh, you know, it's not about getting a program that does all the work for you and then the result is, is some sort of spammy uh, generic comment that gets placed on people's blogs. Yeah, and I mean, think, if you think about it this way, if you've got an established business and, you know, a business that's, I mean, the whole goal of Google is not to, you know, not to, uh, you know, to create a business where people have to fight for the rankings. Ideally, this all should be happening naturally. So if you are working too, too hard at, you know, at SEO and SEO is the only benefit, you're doing something wrong. I mean, because every single thing that you should do should have a business benefit first, SEO benefit second. So, like you were saying with the blog comments, I mean, you know what? I comment on really tr high traffic blogs all the time. I know Google's not going to give me anything for it, but I'm not doing it automated with 50,000 links like that. I'm going on there because I know that this is a really hot discussion. I want to add my two bits, but I want everybody to hear about my website too. And I want them to know that I'm actively involved in this kind of conversation all the time because this is one of my favorite topics. But the thing is that, you know, um, what I call the footprints of, you know, a normal business, a normal business signs up to the Chamber of Commerce locally. So if you're a local business and you're not a member of the Chamber of Commerce, that's a red flag that you might not actually be, you know, a Coquitlam business, a, you know, a San Francisco, California business if you're not, you know, on that list. Right. I mean, right. another classic example is if you haven't had at least one link from that local newspaper, you might not be a local business. I mean, mm. and well, you can and get put in a great, classifieds for 10 bucks. That's right. I mean, there's a great uh, tip right there, right? Like, go to your local newspapers and put a classified ad and go to the local newspapers and uh, they have art. I know mine now is almost all blogs and they want people commenting. So when they're commenting on, you know, if there's an article in the local paper about something that has to do with your business, you should be in there commenting because in your local business you become seen as a bit of an authority, right? So That's right. Uh, or, yeah, and and you get known. It's all but if you network. think of a business in your in your town or even a business internationally that's been running for, you know, international businesses, I mean, what I mean by that, maybe Coca-Cola is a good example, or Lego, businesses that are so well-branded that you don't even have to think about them to, to think about their names, where they've already sort of established themselves in the community, what kind of links do they have and how did they get them? Where, do you think Lego does SEO? Probably not. But they, there's just the, 
the natural process that happens in a business of places that the links come from that are high authority places um, that sort of build over time. And that's why, you know, it's easy to look at the whole situation of SEO and say, well, man, you know, it's getting too hard to, to get those juicy links. But those links happen by doing normal business mm-hmm. and just, you know, let, you know, doing things that your business should already be doing anyways to get popularity and to get, uh, um, you know, the word out there. And, you know, like if you were ever on Oprah, you'd get a link off Oprah's site, That's you know. Right. And So, Dan, if you wanted to know how many links you have to your site, what's, uh, what, do you have a tool that you use or some, you know, search thing that you do or something that you, that could tell somebody, okay, I've got, you know, 10 links to my site, I've got 1,000 links to my site. Like, is there a tool that you use? Scott, I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> my favorite tool and this thing is just way 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 too cool is called linkdiagnosis.com oh, okay. it needs a fire it uses a firefox extension but you can get lots of information out of it without that okay but what was that again link link diagnosis this thing like i said it has a firefox add-in that you can add in that gives you a whole bunch more information but even without that you can still see everything uh, or sorry, some things I should say, but you can. I mean, it's really cool to be able to see all your links, and there's tons of tools on the web that show you all your links. Because um, you, can, I mean, Yahoo is usually where we get that information. Google only shows a percentage of the links. Yahoo shows everything. But this Scott will download a CSV of all your competitors' links. Uh, oh, and it'll also tell you how many links you've got. Well, you can use it for your own site or anybody's site. You can type any address in there. Well, and really, where you should start with is your own site, right? You should say, okay, where am I right now? I have two links. I have 10,000 links, whatever. And then, okay, what are my competition doing? Because I need to beat them, right? That's that's right. That's right. And so, I mean, once you've already looked at your own site and you've got an idea where you are already, most people know that off the top of their heads. They know, well, I didn't do a lot of link building or I haven't done a lot of promotion I probably don't have a ton of links out there, but I mean, once you've sort of got an idea where you're at, if you take a look at your competitors, both locally and internationally, look at where their links are coming from, um, link, look at the text linking backward and forward, look at the age of all the sites that are linking, and it gives you some really good ideas real quick. Because mm-hmm. that's a real key to the whole thing is... If when we're looking at link popularities, you have to know where you're starting from, and then where where you want to go to. What is your goal? And then and then you could say, you know what, I want to I want to have four new links a week, and you know after a year, you've got a thousand links to your site, and that may be all that you need, maybe more than what you need actually. Yeah, no, you'd be surprised. I've seen situations where, like I said, four or five links, and you know. Some really competitive terms can become, uh, you know, pretty easy. It's it's really ch- boggling my mind because I'm still stuck in the ruts of what it was like, you know, three months, six months, two years ago, where, you know, as long as you had thousands of links, you were untouchable, you know. Mm, right. And now, I mean, I'm cr- I'm cracking niches nowadays with, you know, like what is it like three four weeks of link building, and you're starting to get enough authority that you don't have to worry about it. You know, you don't have to worry about guys with 10,000 links because, I mean, uh, a classic example, I mean, you know, the other day I was doing keyword research for a client and I looked at it and, 
you know, there you'll see a, a site with you know thirty nine thousand links, and then you'll see another site with five hundred, and you know, the the one with that you know say five hundred links will be a PR seven, and the other ones are PR fives. Doesn't make any sense, but the thing is that there's a difference between high quality links and low quality links. That's right. That's right. Very, very interesting stuff, Dan. So the other thing, uh, too, with the big change in SEO lately is, of course, that um, seven-word phrases are up 12%, and eight-word search phrases are up 22%. So people are using longer and longer search phrases uh, in Google. And just this week, Google answered that on their blog uh, with this new Orion technology, where remember if you entered in a, a phrase too long in the past, what would happen is, you know, it would basically have only a few things relevant, and the rest of it wouldn't be very relevant at all. Mm. Now that they, they're actually expanding the word relationships, they call them, and basically meaning it can understand those eight and nine phrase, or sorry, eight and nine word phrase searches. Um, they're, I mean, eight. Eight-word searches are up over 22% according to hitwise.com. That's on my blog there, too. Wow. So you really want to be looking at the long-tail keywords. Yeah, long-tail keywords have been a, um, what do they call that, a strategy in the SEO world for quite a long time. And so, I mean, it's it's something, there's a lot of information out there on the web about already. But uh, it's become more and more important recently because people are typing in more and more specific information to get what they want. Yeah, because they know. So. Google is training them because they know when they put in something like uh, Realtor that they're going to get a whole bunch of results that are not uh, what they want. So then they have to put in like Manhattan Realtor or uh, Stanford. You know, you have to get almost down to the neighborhood to be able to get the information that you want. Yeah, and they might even type something in like uh, cheap Manhattan lawyer uh, apartments and condos, you know. Or they, I mean, my classic example I used to use back when we were coaching, um, I used to say, you know, when I went looking for a car, first thing I did was type in, you know, uh, you know, cheap cars. And then I went, no, 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 cheap 2006 cars. No, 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 that, did, that wasn't what I wanted either. And then I typed in fuel-efficient, you, know, uh, uh, you know, affordable cars and, you know, this big, long phrase, so to speak. And I finally found the car that I bought and still own to this day. Right, right. And that's the process that everyone's going through, and we all know it. And that's the result. As a result, we're, we're searching longer and longer phrases. And that happened to me just yesterday. I did a search, and I went, oh... And then I would, you know, I put about four or five more words in, and then I got, uh, then I got what I was looking for. Yeah. So I mean, when you're doing your keyword research, I mean, if you look at those, you know, those higher and higher phrased words, and I actually even have a, uh, uh, a little Excel sheet trick on my on my blog that I wrote about there that people can steal, where if you stick this weird gobbledygook junk of code that even I don't understand, so don't worry about that, into um, Excel into the, one of their little boxes. It'll calculate the uh, the number of words um, on the you know on the same row, and so you literally just go to Google and go you know download CSV, download CSV, just download all their their 
keyword lists out of the Google Keyword Tool, which is free, and you can it'll automatically say, okay, these are all your three and four word searches or four and five word searches. And anything over four and five words, I mean, is going to be a heck of a lot less competitive and really easy, easier to rank for in Google than any other phrase. That's right. That's right. Cool. Well, Dan, thank you very much for joining us. You've given us just a ton of really, really interesting information, particularly around the local search and the long, uh, long tail keywords. And you had mentioned a couple times uh, your blog. So if somebody wanted to know more about, uh, you know, keep up to date with the latest and greatest stuff that you've been uh, following and uh, want to know more about your business and, and search engine optimizing, where could they go? CompetitionDemolition.com Awesome. And what will they find there? They'll find everything that, uh, everything that happens related to um, search engines and related to uh, basically getting a leg up on the competition online and finding out, um, you know, the latest strategies to um, either doing market research or finding a way to get a, a bit of an edge on the competition that's already there. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks again for joining us, and we really appreciate uh, everyone for listening in. If you've got any questions, I'm sure you can uh, leave a comment on competitiondemolition.com and, uh, or uh, you can head over to www.askscottpatton.com and let us know what you thought about the show. And we'll talk to you later, everybody. Bye-bye.